Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to Zion Baptist Church Morning Worship. We welcome you right where you are to join us through Facebook, YouTube, and our webpage and through Zion Baptist app that you can download on www.zionbcpeoria. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you for joining us as we prepare to welcome our, our Lord and Savior in this place. We also want to welcome you with this way here at Zion Special Way. Zion. Thank you. 
15. Mm -hmm. Amen. Talking about the law and God's promises. Yeah. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 15. If you're able to stand out with God's words, you may do so. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And it reads, Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Mm -hmm. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that, of course, means Christ. This is what I am trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God will be breaking his promise. For if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict? 
then, between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in whom? Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, 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 oh,
Let us surrender, mighty God, we just thank you for being God all by yourself, that there is none like you. Lord, we are grateful for another opportunity to worship you, Lord, in person, remotely, uh, right where we are. Uh, we ask you to continue to minister to our hearts, our minds, transform us, renew us uh, through your precious Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Lord, we pray that we'll have your word hidden in our heart, that we might not sin against you, that we might seek Jesus and walk in obedience according to your will. Guide us right now, Father, Lord, to prepare your word from you. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. As we continue in our study in Galatians, and we're going to talk about the promise of our God. As we talk about the promise of our God, you can tell your neighbor that God's word still works. Yeah, you know, when God speaks, it's what we understand to be a promise, something that's going to come to fruition. And the beautiful thing about our God that we know that he has the ability to say something and it to be done. Think about how we have history talking about the power of the pen is mightier than the sword. Right. Saying how I can write something down and it'll be down in the annals and history books for times is more powerful than the sword. And that's why oftentimes people may lose those battles when they're fighting against the media because the media got the power of the pen that they will be able to say, I can have the final say-so, that I can change the narrative and put it down. The power of the pen shows us what the power of words. Matter of fact, we think about how we celebrate the power of words right here in these United States of America. We know the power of the pen and the words and the promise they form and the promise that oftentimes we know our United States of America has failed to keep. Matter of fact, we think about the 4th of July. That's based on words, the Declaration of Independence. It was just a propaganda statement intent to persuade France and others in their independence against Great Britain. The document was written with grand ideas of what they wanted to establish for the independence from England and become a sovereign state. You know the Declaration of Independence is not law, but yet everybody knows. They know about these words that has ideals that we have yet to live up to. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creation with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These ideas are developed into to be lived out in our legal document, the Constitution of the United States. But if I can quote Dr. Martin Luther King in his great letter from the Birmingham jail, he says, when the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that meant that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. Dr. King wrote that in Birmingham jail. And as it was true then, guess what? It is true now. So you understand the power of words, right? You say this is what we want. This is what we want to experience. And so we know the impact of a broken promise, a, a broken word. But Paul in his letters pointing out the impact of, of not a broken word, not a broken promise, but a promise that is sure to pass, a promise that is sure to hold, a promise that will en enhance your life and benefit your life. God 
is forever faithful. And his promise to save us is fulfilled in Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is the revelation of the promise God gave to us and was fulfilled through the seed of Abraham. That's when we pick up in our text, Galatians 3rd chapter, verses 15 through 17. It says here, dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. And God gave the promise to Abraham, his child. And notice that the scripture does not say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child. And that, of course, means Christ. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement God made with Abraham could not be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God will be breaking his promise. Let me unpack this text for us. So those who are looking in the New Living Translation, right, it says the word children, but more direct translation is saying the word seed as it represents offspring and to represent oftentimes when this text was meant, seed meant to be multiplicity. And so here it is that what uh, Paul is pointing out here is that this promise was not filled necessarily through the multiplicity of the seed, but yet through one specific seed, one specific heir in the lineage and the, the generation that come through that was fulfilled in Jesus. He understands that it began with Abraham, but it ended with Jesus. I have a witness here. He's pointing out that the God gave the promise to Abraham that it will come through his seed and it will come to fruition in the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, clothed in flesh, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, but defeated death by rising from the grave on the third day. And glory be to God, he's seated at the right hand of the Father in majesty as we are here right now. But what he's pointing out that this law again proceeds, I'm sorry, this promise proceeds the law that was passed down to Moses. So he's pointing out that the salvation plan, the work of the salvation has already been done. There's nothing that you can do to change this. God is not breaking his promise. He made to Abraham, look what he says here, 430 years ago, as Paul is pointing out, currently speaking in this letter. God, hallelujah, when he speaks, hallelujah, it is going to be done. Nothing can change and nothing can amend it. God gave his promise prior to giving the law to Moses. God's word is forever binding. Numbers 23, 19 tells us God is not a man that he should, he should lie. He is not a human. He does not change his mind. He has, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? The answer to those questions is no. God is always able to do exactly what he says, and he's going to do what he says. He's the one that can back it up. We understand, again, the power of words, right? When we tell other people things, right, we say promise. Because we understand that you said it, but yet, do you have the intent? Mm. Do you have the purpose? Do you have the capability to make, to, to, to complete what you said you're going to do? I, I, I think about how little kids, right, do pinky promise, right? You promise? We'll be best friends forever, right? They have a, a great idea about that. And how many friends make best friends forever in first grade? They're no longer friends. And they pinky promise. 
Right? They, they did all kinds of things, right? Because we're not able to see what's going to happen in the future. We don't know when somebody might move away. Somebody might go to a different school. We're not, not aware how life circumstances may cause us to change our pattern that we did not plan. But our God, hallelujah, he knows everything. And so he knows no matter how difficult it may look, I know what I said I'm going to do. We know that because think about the children of Israel. He says, I'm going to take you to a, a, a place that has no bridge, but you're going to cross water. He understands that it may look impossible for you, but I can get it done. I, I, I'm going to show you how I can do things beyond what you ask or think or even imagine. God's not going to break his promise. The promise is for our benefit. Verse 18 tells in Galatians 3rd chapter, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise, pointing out that we cannot be righteous on our own. Notice again, in the same letter, Paul is building up on his defense about justification. That we are made just, we are made right, we are righteous, not because what we have done, but by the work of Jesus Christ. We are righteous not because we say we are righteous, we are right because God says we are right. His word counts. It's what he says that makes the difference. And here's the bottom line that is pointing out to us that if we try to work our way into the kingdom, we would never make it into the kingdom. He says earlier, right, that you cannot keep all the law. You break one, you broke them all. So there's nothing you can do in keeping in the law that will make you righteous with God. Therefore, God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world to pay the penalty to satisfy our debt so that we could be reconciled and be reunited with God and be justified by God by the blood of the Lamb. And so we are able to know righteousness by the promise of God, not by the law of God, but the promise of God. It is fulfilled through the, our faith. Can somebody say faith? faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? See, once again, we must place our faith in the one who has the ability to do what he says he's going to do. Matter of fact, in the streets, this is how we talk, talk to somebody about when we try to try to testify who we are. Right. Somebody says something. Say, can you get this done? You say, what's my name? Y'all don't know. Y'all go out in the street. That's what people talk about. Like, you don't think I can get this done? What's my name? They say, you don't know who I am. And the answer saying that I can get done what I said I'm going to get done for you. And this is the thing about how our God does not have to say, what's my name? He just lets you know, I am. <laughs> I am who I say I am. He, he's letting Abraham know. He let Moses know. Who do I say that sin? He let him know, I am who I said I am. And when God said that, he said, I am the existing one. I'm the one that exists. I'm the same today as I was yesterday and I will be tomorrow because our God never changes. Our God is always good, always loving, always merciful, always caring. Am I talking to somebody here? They're glad that our God is consistently faithful in everything that he does. And so when he says something, we know that's my God. We can rest and be assured that God's going to get it done. Anybody here grateful for the promises of the Lord? And so when you see that the promise was initiated in Abraham and fulfilled in Jesus, we can sit back and say, look at God. So here's the problem that we must also wrestle with, that if I believe in God's promise, 
and I believe in his word, what is hindering me from trusting him in everything that I do? I said in everything that I do. Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean down into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. This proverb is a good word to remember how we ought to trust in our God who is able to make things great for us. So, uh, one, one New Living Translation says that he can make a crooked path straight. What it is is that our God is always going to lead us in the right direction. So why do we have trouble trusting in God? Is it because that our flesh desires things that, that we believe that heaven cannot offer? Are we waiting on God is it, and we don't see it as a, a, a virtue, as something that is priceless and dependable, that has benefits that are eternal? Or are we waiting on God and waiting on him? We feel like we're losing out on things that are passing us by in this world. But yet when you can wait on God and you can let go and let God and let God be God, you will see God do things that he can do that only he can do that you cannot do. But be careful about instant gratification and its costly uh, detrimental impacts on your health. You can get what you want now and also you can no longer have it anymore. God knows what you need and he has it ready for you. But you can get what you want now. You can get some temporary pleasures and have eternal punishment. Or you can wait and endure some, some trials or some tribulations trusting that you have eternal bliss on the other side of glory. We got to be mindful that this world encourages us to get rich quick. Get it now. Have your fun now. Don't, don't worry about the, the, the ramifications are going to come. Matter of fact, we're seeing how they're wrestling and fighting about how people are taking care of themselves and telling them what they can and cannot do. I got liberty. I got freedom. True indeed. That's the problem we had, that we have so much liberty. Sometimes we don't know what to do with our liberty. And here it is that our same God, he does not force us, but yet he gives us wisdom. So we must discern. We must read and understand this truth and say, Lord, how do I depend on you? How do I trust you? Well, Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. What it means? That means I must have to first confess that I don't know everything. I know that's hard for many of us because we're always right. And since we're always right, I don't have to hear what you got to say because I'm right. But yet when we understand that I don't know everything, then maybe I might be able to hear something from my brother, from my sister that might enhance me, that might help me to grow and help me to mature. But yet do I have the attitude and the heart of humility? To submit and to surrender. Yeah, can, I, can I sit down and be quiet and hear what somebody saying, either though it may hurt me, either though it may not feel comfortable, but can I bear it and understand that it's coming from a place of love and it's helped me to grow? Think about how God loves us. And because he loves us, he does chastise us. You don't believe me? Ask Jonah. What happened to Jonah? Y'all don't know what happened to Jonah real quick. Jonah was told by God to go preach. Jonah says, I'm not going. So Jonah gets on the boat. God says, the storm to the boat. The storm on the boat is so bad, Jonah knows he's sending that for me. Okay, y'all, I got to get off the boat so the storm will leave. Okay, Jonah gets thrown off the boat. The storm leaves. He can swallow by a fish. Oh, God, I'm on this fish. All right. He starts praying to God. God spits him out on the island. So now I go preach. Fine, I'm going to go preach. I ain't going to like it, but I'm going to do it. So he goes and preach, and he preached. The people repent. He get mad at God. I did what you said, God. Now I'm mad that you're doing what you said you're going to do because you're merciful, you're gracious, you're loving. I want you to do all that stuff for me, but not for them because I don't like them. 
And so God teaches him a message and has a tree die over him. And he says, I want to die. You want to die over that tree? Well, I want to die for those people. And so you understand that God is pointing out to us that sometimes we don't get it the first time. But yet he does not give up on us. And he shows us that no matter how you feel, I'm going to show you how I feel. My love never fails. My love never gives up. So we understand that how I need to walk obedient to the spirit and trust God even when I disagree. Even when I may not understand. I must understand this, that God knows what's best. And so the Learn to wait on it. Not try to have instant gratification. Not try to satisfy my own personal needs. Isaiah 40, 31, right? Yea, that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Though mine are wings like an eagle. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint. They that wait on them. Another way to say they that wait is they that hope. They that trust. And why we can hope, why we can trust in God, because of his promise. Because he is sure. He is steady. He is faithful. I want to highlight this uh, uh, real quick about what faith is. Um, Faith is assurance. Faith is confidence. We, We believe in God, not because we don't have evidence, because we have overwhelming evidence. We don't believe in God because we don't know. We believe in God because we do know. And so I want to help people out that faith is not a wish. It's not something you can grasp. Faith is tangible because we see the evidence of our God around us. Now, right, we did not see Christ die on the cross for our sins, but we see the evidence. That's how many of us don't, may not have seen somebody build your house, but you see the evidence. The house is up. And so here it is that we one day will see him face to face and we will behold him. And the writer says we don't know what we will look like, but we know we will be like him, which means that we won't be perishable, but we'll be imperishable, that we will not die. We'll be immortal. We'll be in his presence, be in heaven and earth forever. And so as we wait on the Lord's, on, on the Lord's promise, we need to grow in his word. Galatians 3, 19, 22 says, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. He, God gave his law through the angels to Moses, who was a mediator between God and the people. Now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. Is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying him. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only By believing in Jesus Christ. We get this promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. The law shows us our shortcomings. The law shows us that we are prisoners of of sin. The law shows us that we are condemned to death. We understand that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ 
Jesus. So the promise gives us new life in Christ because Jesus is the life giver. We are all prisoners of sin. I want to encourage you that that's how as the, as the church and making disciples that we should not be walking around as if we are better than somebody, knowing that we all were sinners saved by the grace of God. When we are walking around, we should understand, say, I'm not righteous because I'm doing everything right. I'm righteous because God called me righteous because I confessed and made Jesus Christ my personal Lord and say, so therefore my faith is not just my word, but my faith is my actions being my word. So we surrender to the Lord for We surrender to Jesus and the promise of God's freedom. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins because we are sinners and we're in need of his grace and his mercy. We believe that Jesus was teaching us how to walk in obedience with God, our Father, as Jesus did. And then we can understand what it means to abide in him and he will abide in us. And anything we ask in our in the Son's name, the Father will give to us because we are in him. We understand what it means to be one in him because we are no longer living. That's why in Galatians 2 it says, no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, who died for me, who set me free. So it's no longer I'm living for my flesh. I'm living for this world. I'm living for what this world has to offer, but I'm living for something that is great. That is beyond my grasp rich on this side, but one day we shall see. And so we believe in God. Our faith in God is shown in our actions, in our words, that our actions become our words so people know that we are a child of God, not because we say so, but because we do so. So God's word, our, our promise, our salvation. God spoke life in his promise to Abraham. Jesus, the presence of life, is showing us the way, because I am the way, the truth. And the light. Now, what Jesus said, no man gets the Father but through me. And so we now know liberty through Jesus, who the Son sets free, is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Notice again, he says, we are all under the sin. We're captive of the sin, prisoners of sin. But Jesus came to set the captives free. And so whatever struggle we're dealing with, we don't have to stay in this condition. We can say, Lord, here I am. I turn it over to you. I I choose liberty in you. I choose life in you. Faith is not knowledge, but living out what we know to be true. There's a lot of people that know a lot of things, but they can't live it out. Uh, I, I, I know how to play baseball, but I can't play baseball. I know how the car runs, but the brakes, I can't fix it. We, we know a lot of things, but yet the Bible is saying, I don't want you just to know me, but to know me is to love me, and to love me is to serve you. And so when we are saying, Lord, I put my faith in this promise, it means I'm going to serve you. It means I want to love you. It means I want to walk with you. And I do this not because I'm trying to earn something. I do this because I've already received what you already gave to me. You set me free from my sin sickness. You put peace between me and you. You have redeemed me and called me your child, that I have a place over in glory. So while I'm 
walk on this earth and I'm going through different trials and tribulations and issues in my life, I'm grateful, God, that you will never leave me nor forsake me because you are faithful in your word. Your word never fails. Therefore, our Lord and his faithfulness makes us something more than we could ever experience. Because if we place our faith in Jesus, then we have victory. And so if you have victory, then you are more than a conqueror. And if you have victory and you're more than a conqueror, then that's why you start getting excited saying, no weapon, born against me so prosper. That's why you can quote those other scripture verses, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can quote the other scripture, for man it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We can go on and say, the Lord is my shepherd. I sell now because we are believing on the promise. And so when we believe on the promise that we are standing on his word and we're standing on his word. The good old hymn lets us know. And on, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sink. So let us stand on Christ. And as the gospel according to John tells us, he is the word. And so God's word is his promise. And the word became flesh so that we might behold him, see him, and know him. And he identifies with us because he came humbly as a servant to die on the cross for our sins. Because there's nothing we could do to become righteous. But God did everything so that we would be right with him. So let us hold on to this promise, walk out this promise, live this promise. By truly being submissive and surrendering to the word of God. And have his word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against him. Let us pray. Mighty God, we are grateful for how you love us and care for us. Lord, it might be someone who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But we thank you that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you, God, for how you're moving right now in this space. Reveal to us those things that we need to let go and surrender to you and let you be God. Reveal our hidden thoughts to us, Almighty God. And help us to walk in your promise, oh God. Help us stop working to be righteous. Help us stop working to do things we think that's going to please you. But help us, oh God, to do what you called us to do, which is good which is love, which is just, which is merciful. Help us, Almighty Father, Lord, to study your word so we know your word, that we live out your word. And Father, we ask you to continue to bless us, Lord, as we are going through some ups, as we're going through some downs. We're seeing people, Lord, who may not be faithful. Lord, we thank you, God, that you are forever faithful to us. And so, Father, help us to have a heart of mercy, a heart of grace. The heart of remembrance, Almighty God, how you died for us, how you paid our penalty, and how you continue to love us. So, Father, we will transform us, renew us, and change us according to your will. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us right where you are. Continue to like, subscribe, and join us on Facebook, YouTube, and our page. And also, you can download uh, the app to join Zion. Thank you. God bless you. Until we meet again, know that Jesus loves you, and so do I. God bless you, and may